When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. When we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people, I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Gilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They'll be looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! 1-1. Welcome along to episode number 86 of the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. Ronan Flanagan here this week again, and we are delighted to be joined by David McGee. David, how are you? All good, Ronan. Thank you. Sean Dunn, how are you? How's it, Ronan? Cheers. Connor Lynch, how are you? Top of the world, Ronan. Thank you. And Gerald Connor, Jerry, how are you? Fair play to your Ronan son. Best to last again this week. Fair play. So this week, we will look back on three games. We will look back on the men's games against Drogheda and against Pats. We will also look back on the women's game against Shams. We will have some White Hag beer to give away in our beer scores cast section. Uh, we'll hear your shouts from the shed and also. We'll also bring you some latest news. We will hear from Cork City fan Damien Shreenan, who is host of the other Three Amigos podcast ahead of Saturday's game against Cork City and we will also look ahead to that aforementioned game against the Rebel Army on Saturday night at the showgrounds. So first of all lads we'll touch on the first game it was Drogheda away on Friday night Sean came out with a 1-0 defeat Um, there was a lot of talk afterwards about the game about the the manner of the defeat but I suppose looking back on it it was a it was a disappointing defeat. Yeah, I think it was deserved. Um, I don't think we can say we were robbed or anything of the matter. Uh, we were poor running. We were, we were actually terrible on the ball all night. Couldn't seem to get a foothold of the game at all. Uh, nothing was nothing was coming off for us. And in fairness, I think you have to give Drada an awful lot of credit. Uh, Doherty had them set up perfectly. They were brilliant. They were well-organised. They... They were fighting like animals on the pitch. Gary Deegan was absolutely sensational. He covered some amount of ground and he was just on that wind-up merchant buzz of his that he can do and he gets into people's heads and he he disrupts play without even touching the ball sometimes. He's, he's but He was just on top of his game the other night and, you know, in fairness to them, you know, there's some good players. So, they have, you know, they're not a bad wee side, but, uh, like, they don't have any intention to play football. They're there to disrupt and they'll play on percentages. Uh, you know, they'll take what they get out of the game. They'll cause the problems. They'll lump balls into the box. That lad, um, the striker they have in and loan. Draper. Uh, Draper. Brady Draper. Yeah, he's very good. He's a very, very good footballer. Um, he gave us problems all night. He threw his weight around an awful lot, but he was good on the ball when he was on it. Good hold-up play. But um, all in all, look... Sometimes you just have to take your licks. You'll have nights like that and you move on. And obviously we did. But um, even actually, just looking back, we did have chances. We could have come away with something completely undeservedly, but we could have come away with something. So there is that positive as well that we're still in games when we're out of games, if you know what I mean. There's chances there for us. So 
look, it's one of those nights. I think there was a massive, and I will say that actually, but I think there was a massive overreaction to it. One loss does not define your season. In the first open, in the within the first three fixtures, people need to settle down. I think people are just looking too quick to, you know, jump on their opinions that they've made at the start of the season, both positive and negative. Go on, Jerry. Yeah, I no, I I fully fully agree with what you're saying there. I think, like to be honest with you, you know, I'm looking delighted with last night's win, but I'm still awful disappointed by the reaction of 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 fans. Uh, to the defeat Andrade. Like I think there's it was a case of, oh well, we just need to rock up here and collect three points and head home again. Um no league no game in this league is gonna be like that. And like Drada, I suppose Drada have have as you said, Sean there, Drada do have good players like Samarki and, and players like that and Foley and Deegan. Like I know Drada are looking to go full time. I'm kinda of going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I'll come back to the original point. I know draw there are part-time and they're looking to go full-time, but I don't know. Like, in my opinion, part-time actually probably suits the likes of draw there because most of the teams in around Leinster are now full-time and it suits certain players to stay part-time. The likes of Markey, the likes of Deegan, those lads that have, say, good jobs but are committed to playing uh, League of Ireland football. So they pick up a lot of lads that they wouldn't have got in the past. So, yeah, they do have a good side. But just going back to the reaction of, of supporters, like... I don't know. I I I was watching a I was watching a, an interview with the Sitmarin manager there the other day, Stephen um, Stephen Robertson, um, and he was kind of saying the same thing as well. In that society has changed, in that everybody is so reactionary now that you lose a game and the absolute people lose their shit. It's like calling for the the manager's head after one game because we lose. Like in fairness, in my opinion, Sligo Rovers fans are better than that. We're not even fans. I don't even call us ourselves fans. We're supporters. We put our heart and soul into the club and all that. And we've given John Russell uh, our trust to 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 do the best with our football team that he possibly can do. And I guarantee you, there's absolutely no other... And this isn't a party political broadcast for John Russell, but there's no other person that will put in as much effort uh, and diligence and, and, and uh, you know, attention to detail than him. But people are losing their shit over one a one defeat to Drada. There'll be a lot more teams that'll go up there. Uh, Drada learn more points up there than anybody will take off them. That's hundred percent fact. Um, and I think people just need to relax. Don't get too high when we win. Don't get too low when we when we lose. But the the outpouring of negativity is fucking mind boggling. Really disappointing to be fair. Connor, do you want to? I suppose elaborate on that point further. I suppose the the reaction. I was disappointed, but like, um, what do you even phrase this now? I'll I'll elaborate. I will hold my hands up and I said I didn't get to watch all of the game. Uh, I was otherwise engaged. But um, oh yeah, what what I would say, what I would say was um, it was very first from what I did watch, and I did make a. A good effort to watch as much as I could, but it was a very frustrating game, and I guess that's exactly what Drogheda are there to do. They're there to frustrate you. Um, I, I I'm interested. I didn't know that. So, am I? Are you are you saying, Jerry, that Darren Markey has opted to play with Drogheda because it's a part time setup? Yeah. Wow. That's well, like, like a lot of because... these lads. You know, I I don't know what his profession is, but. You know yourself, like, um, 
there's lots and lots of players around the league over the last few years that I sort of say, I don't know, I you know David McMillan has probably has hung up his boots and all of that, but he's a qualified um, architect. 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 You know, there's lots of guys around that like that that want to play top level football are well capable of doing it. Like the doing it probably the same, four nights it? a week. Yeah. So, you know, I think Drawder are actually picking up those players, and I wouldn't be at a rush as a Drawder fan to be just selling my club to anybody either. To you know, to jump on the the full time bandwagon when. Like Drod is only what thirty minutes up the M one from Dublin. You know, there's there's a lot of lot of advantages in that too. I think if you look at as well, um, Doherty in his post match interview, he kind of alludes to the part part time. Uh, Does he? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and he he kind of says it in a way that it, it was insulting towards him. You know, he was just saying, you know, people are going to point to the the fact that we're part time. Mm. He was kind of saying we are, but we're not. Like you know, they are part time in a contract. In a contractual situation, yes, they're down as part-time football, but they'll train as full-time players. You know, they'll still be in nearly every night. They'll be, so, yeah, and they'll have their programs and their plans and things like yeah. that. It's like, you know, I suppose part-time isn't like what part-time used to be. Yeah, you know, it's like two or three nights a week. Yeah, two nights a week, and you turn up for a game on a Saturday. You know, it's it's really moved on from that. And in fairness, look, they'll have, as I said, their plans and their programs, and they'll have their dietitians and they'll have everything going from that. And that's not taken away from them or taken away from us but that's just the reality so some of the best footballers in the country are part-time um, yeah. and they're on good programs so you even look at it though like you know the last three years Bowls have been part-time yeah and I put in for the comment you know that's the loosest term possible Bowls were never part-time they were just like, training in the evening time as opposed to the morning yeah that's all it was yeah that's all it was. It was just a contractual situation again that just says they were part-time under contracts. And now they've obviously gone full-time this season. But, you know, I just, I think even Doherty kind of, he he was taken aback by it a little bit because it, it undermines the job he's doing as well. Because people will look at it and say, oh, they're a part-time side. Look, they try hard, don't they? And they'll come out and they'll run around for 90 minutes and they'll give it their all with your fair play to you lads, pat on the back. Where it's actually, you know, he's working his arse off to make sure that they're tactically spot on on the night and you know the players are as fit as possible when they go out on the pitch so you do have to give them a little bit more credit than that and not undermine them as much just because they're down as a part-time club that doesn't mean they're any less of players than what step out there for 90 minutes and you know we do have to reevaluate sometimes and just reassess like we are you know we're we're a fantastic football club but we're not the top dogs in the country we don't have a divine right to go out and beat anyone any night so, you know, we do have to keep our heads level at times. And like that, we'll have brilliant nights like last night. But we'll have downtimes as well, like Friday night. It happens. Yeah, and like, it's like, oh, we're in for a long season. Oh, uh, oh, if we don't win this, sack the manager. Like, cop on, like, for fuck's sake. You know, you're not gonna, we're not going to, as you said, Sean, we don't have divine right to win every game. Nor are we going to win every game. No club does. But like, I, I chill, think, chill the yeah. fuck out, like. I think the the measure of, uh, you know, the, the the measure of any good team is that they're able to go and play well for you know the big games, whether it's Derby and Shams or whoever it might be, you know, if it's the home game. There's a big atmosphere. It's you know we've spoken about it many times in the podcast. It's probably easy for the team to get up for those games, but the measure of a real quality team is the ability to go away to UCD, to go away to to draw to. Uh, those sort of clubs and 
be able to handle that kind of opposition and to be able to, you know, leave your mark on that game or to be able to um, really yeah, be able to take control and uh, yeah, like make a mark on, on, on those sort of, sort of fixtures at the same, while at the same time being able to show up for the big games as well. Like, you know, I think that's the real measure team. And you've seen what happened to, because I don't know if you count Shells as a good thing, but they, they struggled against Rada. Obviously, Shamrock Rovers have, we have. So, like they, they're... They're no mugs, and there were no mugs last season either. Yeah. So, you know, look, it's, look, and at the end of the day, we're not trying to sugarcoat this. Or not at all. Gloss over it in any way, shape, or form. It was an absolutely terrible performance, and there was lots of parts of it that I really didn't like, and I was really surprised at as well. Like, even, you know, because... This isn't, as Jerry's already said, it's not a propaganda situation here that, you know, we're all positivity here and trying to spread the the good word all the time. But, like, even I thought Russell got it wrong on a couple of occasions on Friday night against Strada. Like, I thought we, we badly needed to get another man into the middle of the park. Because we were being overrun in there, I thought we needed to try and get a foothold in there, and we never did. Now, just from my own opinion, watching on in the game, what I could see what maybe he was trying to do is by leaving Kaelin further forward, he was trusting in the players that we had that we'd be able to win the ball back and break down any draw to attack and then catch them on the counter while they were pressing us high. But it was the fact that the players were just, we weren't able to pass the ball five yards. We genuinely could not put two passes together. It was embarrassing and really, really frustrating at times. But look, as I said, there was situations throughout the game where we then were able to string through a few attacks and Kalen was a very unlucky twice. Probably, realistically, he should score. And, you know, there's a, again, we're talking about a referee. I never really go to the referee situation, but that's a clear sending off. Last man, we've seen the perfect example of it last night. He has to go. And then there's another frustrating situation I'm sure you'll all agree on, is when we actually did get a slight foothold on the game, we're freaking stopped by a drone. <laughs> that was like you can't make that like that is the league of Ireland in a nutshell <laughs> stop by a fucking drone yeah like why? I don't know why like and it was even a second time he stopped the game and there was no drone it was just like stop yeah. start stop start it was difficult to get a rhythm to the game and again that's not making excuses for us because you know you know both teams effective both teams and you have to deal with it but I'd say another thing as well is that I'd say a lot of the players have never played in an environment like United Park previously in that you literally could like touch the players if you wanted to, you know, from being in the stand. It's just so tight. The pitch is so small. Uh, the stands are so tight to the pitch. Uh, in fairness, both sets of fans created an unbelievable atmosphere. Like it's that tight of a ground. You'd think there were 20,000 people nearly in the ground when there was probably 3,000. You know, it's just different and I think we were kind of between that and Deegan I think we were kind of like rabbits caught in headlights um, and it just maybe it all kind of got to us but I think again look to take the positive out of it we did actually create probably the best clerical chances in the game the negative is that we didn't take them uh, another positive is that look we learned from it and uh, maybe we've that out of our system and you know it was great that we had the the, the game last night to to kind of get that over system and, and bounce back and, and we definitely did so but that's for later on yeah and look and Jerry as well I think um, another positive you could take from the game is Luke McNicholas 
had a big learning curve in it as well. And he was very good. And I think he took a lot of confidence from that game. And he brought that Se- in. 17 corners or something? Yeah. Fuck. So, you know, and he done well on them. You know, he wasn't dropping balls or anything like that. Or he was out, he was commanding. So, I, you know, he made a couple of decent saves as well. So, like, you know, let's take whatever positives you can from games like this. And it's a massive learning curve. And it was even a learning curve for Russell. And none of them shied away from it. And they proved that again going forward. You know, no one, they weren't making excuses for the game. There was no, you know, I get the old cliche answers or anything like that. Russell came out and says he was very disappointed with everything he saw. You know what I mean? He made changes or whatever was needed. And it was all done in a positive fashion after that. But look, Drawn is just one of those nights. We'll have off nights. Unfortunately, there's going to be more than throughout the season. Yeah, we're going to have more shit nights. Yeah, and you just have to learn to accept that. But always just keep a level head and just look at the positives as well that come along with that. Because that draw was a downer. But either side of that, now we've had massive positives. So they're outweighing each other at the moment and in the right way. So from the shit night, lads, to the not so shit night, you could say, I suppose, the, the brilliant night last night. They were the 2-1-1 against Pats. It was uh, down 10 men, but geez, uh, it was uh, one of the, another another night to remember, I suppose you could say, at the showgrounds. Yeah, it was a great night, Monday night football, live in the showgrounds. It's what you want. Mind that that Sky Sports shit that, that people are sitting on the couch for. As Jerry keeps saying, get in and watch your live football. That's what it's all about. No, look, it was a great game. Um it showed it was a testament to, to again to Russell and the lads on on how the, the mentality is. He needed a performance um and a result after losing to Drahad on Friday night, and that's what we got. I suppose look, we're we're gonna have to talk about the red card. It happened right in front of myself and Sean so this. You can see why it's given, you know. He loses the ball and and he gives a little pull back. Now, yes, Niall Morhan did get around uh, to cover. But but the foul was made before that, and as the letter of the law, um, the red card had to come out. But from there, there was no panic. I thought Niall Morham was excellent when he slotted in alongside Pinecker um, to, to, to fill in at centre-half. He was really, really good, as were the rest of them. They were faultless to a man, across the back. McNicholas, again, was outstanding. There was um, Stefan dropped into midfield with, with Greg, first of all, and the two lads in the wing were disciplined. And Max Mala put in a great shift up front. A really, really strong, like a, a leader's performance from Max. Again, I think it shows another level of his evolving or his uh, evolution, sorry. And he was just a menace all night for them. A handful in the air on the deck. He kept it well. Um, two really good goals as well. Um, I think we're really strong down that left side. And it looks to be a nice link coming from Hutchison and Wilfred Sherald, who ran his socks off all night again. It was really, really good. Really positive. I think we were really positive with the ball. If you go down to 10 men, you're obviously going to give a bit of possession. And that's that's a natural in, in, in the vast majority of football games you've ever watched. But two really good goals um, and strong performances all over the pitch. They decided to sling a lot of ball into the box, but I thought they were quite poor. Um, Forrester scored a humdinger of a goal. You've seen it right from where I was sitting. It just fizzed into the corner of the net. Great strike, chalk it down, move on. But there was never a bit of panic in them. They all knew their job. And they got on with it really, really well. And as I just said, super performance uh, for, for the for the ten men for the guts of seventy minutes as well. And Sean, is this is that would that be a, a testament to what this side has now at the moment? Is that you know 
as David mentioned, they're down to 10 men, but keep plugging away, keep doing what you want, you need to be doing. There'll be adjustments made here and there, but, you know, still well able to, to, to I suppose, push on and, I suppose, yeah, you went out to win the game and keep on trying to do it. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know what I mean? The, the team has shown there's character within it now. And we've shown it in a good few, in in all the previous matches so far, I suppose, there has been character shown that, you know, we haven't hidden away. Shams, we go 1-0 down. We show great character to come back into that game as well, always in a positive fashion, continue to attack and stick to our game plan. Same with UCD, you know, going conceding twice again, but also coming back into it. Going down to 10 men like that, that early against Pats, like, you know, that's that's a killer blow at times because you're against, a, yeah, like, fairness, they haven't been great start this season, but there's still quality players within that side that can hurt you. And especially when you're down to 10 men, you know, there's a real chance they can punish you. And especially if you decide to sit back and try and absorb the pressure and see what happens. And like, But we didn't do that last night. Like, and that's one massive positive on, on John Russell last night is, his reluctance to whip off either Mata or Radoslavich, um, the second John gets sent off because that's a default for any other manager. And especially in previous seasons, Mahan wouldn't have been barely off the pitch and Mata would have been following him off with, as a substitution for a centre-half coming on. Whereas John reads the situation, just drop Nile back in there, drop Stefan back into, into centre midfield and continue with the game plan. Because it's still there for us. We still have the players on the pitch to perfect that and, you know, and play it out and see how we go from there. And we were excellent from there on in. Nye Moran was super when he went back in at centre-half. Absolutely fantastic. But he still allowed us to play football and we still continued with our game plan. Radoslavich was unbelievable in the centre of the park. I'm really taken aback at how good he was. He showed glimpses in the previous appearances he's had. But last night he was outstanding. His work rate for a lad to that hasn't played football for the last couple of months and he get a full pre-season under his belt. His fitness levels are through the roof. And Max Matter then as well, like, we'll get on to these properly, you know, over the course of this, so sorry for jumping ahead. But um, just on that, you know, just staying with your point, just as to where we were in that game, like, it was, as I say, for Russell, it was a huge positive, but also for the players, because there was two things at stake there, bouncing back from the draw to defeat, but also bouncing back from the sending off because it would have been easy to put the heads down and say, Jesus, luck isn't with us again here tonight and, you know, take a loss and, you know, people are just going to say, oh, I went down to 10 men, so, you know, let you off a little bit on that one. But it was the furthest thing from it. you actually probably seen a better performance overall. And Jerry, you can touch on the first goal. It was, uh, it was from right to left, but it was a well-worked move and a great finish at the end of it. Yeah, it was... Um... I suppose you can see over the, the few games and through preseason, you know, the what they're trying to achieve and that kind of movement and um willingness to make themselves available to take the pass in tight situations and being comfortable on the ball and you know, just passing and moving and like that has to be a contender for goal of the month, really. Um I don't know how many passes there were, but it was just like absolutely ripped paths apart. So it was, you know, it's just Great team goal, like. But one thing I just say as well, just about about just going back to the sending off. You know, a lot of I've seen a lot of people kind of commenting on that John isn't 
animated on the sideline and, and things like that. But when the sending off happened, you seen several of the players were called over to the sideline and they were given instructions as to what they what their jobs were and what they were supposed to do. And I'm sure there was a lot of prep. I'm sure they actually prepared for during preseason how to play as uh, as a ten man against eleven. I'd imagine they they prepped that and they were all told what their jobs were to do. Blah 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 blah. So you don't have to scream and shout on the sideline to get your message across. Do you know that? Like anybody can scream and shout. And it's about, yeah, it's about preparation. Everybody knowing their jobs, communicating that message, going out, being brave. And we certainly were brave in that we didn't just automatically whip off an attacking player. We put in a you know a mid centre midfielder that be an attacking player into centre back and continue to play our game. So for me. I'd rather someone that has prepped, intelligent, communicates without roaring, shouting, bawling and screaming on the sideline. That's that's old school shit. You know, if you want that, go and get um, Ollie Horgan. And I know there's people out there who would like Ollie Horgan because he screams and shouts. But what's he screaming and shouting about? Yeah, it was a great goal. He was very quiet when he was in that bush down in Waterford, I believe, though. And what actually caught him out was... Uh... Dropped the binoculars out of the tree and hit the bonnet of a car, and that's how we got rattled. Allegedly, silly bollocks. I was talking to John Caulfield actually at the the friendly name dropping now, Sam. But I was talking to John Caulfield at the 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 friendly. It was actually I served him coffee. That's so that's bringing it back to basics. And uh, I was saying, "Oh, where's Ollie tonight?" He's always oh, up in the stand there. He's just always traveling in separate cars. I couldn't travel in the car with him for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Even John Caulfield can't fucking put up with him. Uh, what, I, what I would say is um, just in relation to how the team approached the game. I know, um, Jerry, you won't like this, but um, when after the game, uh, I, I was uh, brought to mind of uh, the Irish rugby coach, Andy Farrell. OBE, um, and his his um, you know that he he really tries to um maximize the opportunity of adversity, you know. So you know, like things are going to go wrong, and if you're preparing all all the time for to have you know you know and maybe in the past you would have heard managers say we're nowhere near our best eleven. We've got these this this fellow's injured, this fellow's injured, so we're we're well off our our best, but like. In today's world, you have to be, you have to be working with adversity in mind, you know, and just like I've, Jerry said, this I've no doubt um, that he's right. You know, playing with playing with ten men, I mean, you could see like I, I looked at John Russell's face; he was he, he was disappointed when uh, when John Mann was sent off, but like I was just like I, there was part of me going, "What's he doing? Like, why hasn't he made this up yet? What's he doing? Like, he ha- he yeah. hasn't." He hasn't hooked, um, you know, Morahan or, or one of the, the, the top guys off to get the other centre half in. And like, that's what 99% of people in the showgrounds were, were thinking like, you know. That's, it's so your think, reaction. Yeah, yeah. That's even I uh, turned around straight away to my brother that was with me and I says, that's Stefan gone. You won't see him tonight now. That's yeah. what I thought was, I thought they whipped automatically and yeah. never happened. And it's the best thing that happened throughout the game. But like, even... Even if you think about it, like you know, if 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 they if they had if they had prepared for playing with ten men and losing the centre half, and if that if that was that kind of natural reaction or that traditional approach 
taking an attacking player off and putting a, an additional defender in so you got your three or four at the back like it, it's such a negative mindset like how do you you're really just playing the percentages from there on and we never played the percentages for the remainder of the, the 70 minutes when we were down to 10 men we kept playing progressive football yeah we, we sat in a bit when we had to sit in uh, we looked to hit them on the break but like the first goal we played we we were played, we maintained possession in a patient manner and it was like a it was an excellent goal it was a, it was a really excellent goal what i was just going to touch on there as well is just what connor was saying you know without making that substitution you, you know we it allowed us still to play our game but it also it didn't allow pats to stray away from their setup throughout the game they still had to worry about us they still had to worry about our attacking threats and still what was coming from midfield as well, because we didn't really, ch- the team actually didn't change. Yes, we were a man down, but the setup of the team didn't change. The approach of the team didn't change. So it's still, Clancy still had to adapt to all that and be wary of all those uh, threats that we had within Hartman, Mara, Fitzgerald, Radoslavich. So he was, you know, sometimes that that's the... As Connor was saying, you know, you were waiting for the substitution, and it goes all to that default setting of when a team goes to ten men, it's nine, but it's ten bodies behind the ball, basically, and it's just lump in and see if the team can break you down, and that's easy for the opposition. Then, you know, that's that's all they need to do. They don't need to worry about us. Predictable. It's very predictable, absolutely, Jerry. Very predictable, but we weren't predictable last night. And I think you put up stats there earlier on, Sean. I think it was yourself, and uh, just about the. The balance of attack and play. Oh, it was Magoo to put that in, yeah, and it's complete. It's it's near level throughout the foot. You know, it's it's. I think it was thirty two down the right, thirty three on the left, and thirty four through the centre, or something like that. Attacks so far this season. I think I think it is for. I think that's how it averages now. But um, you it's know, very difficult to set up against. Like you know. Yeah, it just shows our strengths are they're all throughout. You know, we're not just singly going down one side like a lot of teams will. They'll have their their preferred side to go down. To defend against that and to set up against it is harder for coaches. You know, it makes it a lot more work for them. But, you know, and, and last night, you know, we allude to that now as well on this because we keep, we'll keep mentioning the, the sending off and the substitutions not being made and different changes throughout the game. But, like, even for us, it didn't change the, the communication in between, like, Brambach and Hartman or Fitzgerald and Hutchison. Because everything stayed the same on those on those flanks, and it wasn't affected whatsoever, and that was huge for us. And obviously, it comes in the first goal. You see that link up, but I think before the first goal, I think it, it touches twenty passes because even the the highlight for the goal doesn't even do it the full justice. That start yeah. that starts at Nando Pineacker at the back, and it works its way up. Honestly, if you go back and watch that game in full, it, it's probably. Well, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I think it's one of the best goals I've seen in in the League of Ireland in years. Genuinely, just for pure football. If that if that goal happens in the Paul Cook era, yeah, I was just going to say that at the time we played both. Yeah, yeah, very it, reminiscent of that that passage of play. And absolutely, it was extended passage of play, and we're, we're trying to. That just reminded, it stuck out to me at the time. Is like wow. And uh, you know, and that's the style of football that we're trying to implement as well here. And you can see it. That's the quality of football we have, the intelligence within them. And you know, the, and it's all one and two touch as well in that goal. Like Pat can't get close to us. They genuinely, and we're at ten men. 
and they cannot get close to us. And we have space. We're open. We're finding space. Like Hartman turns and plays that ball out wide left. There's no one close to Hutchison. He's, he's uh, yeah, it is Hutchison. Then he plays off Fitzgerald and gets the one-two off Fitzgerald. And no one's near him. And even in the box, then when Hutchison regains it in the box, he's in acres of space. It's quality movement and control for the lads. Yeah, I, I think I think to be I think um, Tim Clancy will have major issues with the fact that um, Hutchinson was allowed to drift in there. But that said, I don't know. Like to play devil's advocates, you know they came they came off the back of a uh, hide against Dundalk. There's probably something up at St Pat's. You know, just to play a little bit of devil's advocate, you know, to go out to ten men, maybe, maybe it was a good night for it to happen. It was, it was a good opposition for it to happen to as well. But yeah. only to focus on the benefits for the team going forward, like you know, the fact that we did, we, we still managed to pull off an incredibly unlikely win uh, with ten men. But th- that said, there's, it looks like there's something up. Oh yeah, there's definitely there's no cohesion between that side whatsoever. Like that, that's a poor packs team, but. It's a poor Pats team with a lot of quality footballers. And, you know, you have moments of individual brilliance, which we saw from Forrest. Don't want to get too far ahead again, but, you know, that's what you had in that side. But there is definitely something wrong at that club at the moment. And I'd say it's not long before you see Clancy out the door there. They seem like they were a team of short on ideas, low on confidence. And before the sending off, again, look, obviously it was critical to the game, but before the sending off, they were knocking it side to side. Yeah, they made a bit look for openings. Then they just ran out of ideas and started to lump it into the box. Okay, yeah, they did put, put a great ball in behind and Lonergan missed it. Um, coming close to the end of the second half, he should have scored. It's, it's a bit unforgivable, but at the same time, that's all they did. They made a couple of changes and they kept pumping the ball out to... Mulraney was playing more of a, a higher a wing back, if you want to call it that. But it went side to side. We knew what we were doing. It went wide again. I'll, I'll just cross it in. And we dealt with it every single time. They may have had one or two that slipped through and went out out for a, a, the odd corner or a goal kick, but they just seemed to side that were didn't know what they were doing and didn't know how to, to try. And even between themselves, Clancy was lost and, and they had no other way out other than a piece of brilliance, which ultimately didn't pay off for Forrester. So, I suppose you know, that's the difference the between for, a side that's prepared well and a side that maybe is not prepared well. You know, you can have the best players in the world, but if you haven't put the preparation or the the um, the work into it, you're not going to get. You're going to come up. You know, you're going to come up a cropper. Um, but even just before the game, when I seen Forrester wasn't starting, I was like, yeah, I like that. That was a wee boost, you know, in itself. Like, absolutely, yeah. Seeing a player of his quality not stepping on the pitch, it's always going to give you a wee boost, and even Mulrani because. And Mulraney, whichever way you say, is a you know the hype about him coming in. Yeah, but he was very disappointed. I thought he was very he's, disappointed. He's pulling their pants down there. He's turning up for a wage because he's, he's getting what? He's getting three and a half grand a week or something. Yeah, what? Yeah, he's coming out coming out of the MLS, he's Mulraney. But to, to us here back in Ireland, he's Mulraney. Right. <laughs> he tried that though. He, he didn't look like a player that just came out of the MLS on big money last night. He, I thought he was terrible, to be honest. Even his delivery was poor. There was no, you know, there was no precision in it. There's no quality in it whatsoever. I thought he, and that, that, I, that, I was that's happy getting on the ball, to be honest, after a while. Where I was fearing him at first, I was I was happy when they kept playing it out to him because I thought there's nothing coming from this. Yeah. But that's that's another thing as well. Like, do you know, like we can say, you can play the manager and this, that and the other. But like, if you're a winger, 
Um, just because you don't like the manager doesn't mean that you can't, can't cross the ball well. Yeah. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Like, these lads and other lads, they're on top, top money. And regardless of what money they're on, or in tipping, doesn't mean because you don't like the manager or the manager uh, called you so and so or whatever the case may be that you don't cross the ball into the box. Like, you know, I think yeah. that's kind of modern day football too is that, again, you know, footballers and fans are too quick to make excuses or blame the manager or, you know, like they're, they're adults doing a job. Like, get on with it. That is down do. on those individual um, instances, like you're saying there, Jerry, we're crossing the ball or, you know, t- taking a shot on or whatever that may be. That's never going to come down to an issue of the manager. Like, no. you, you can always say, yes, the effort from the collective side wasn't good enough on the night where they didn't throw enough weight around or, you know, they weren't getting stuck in enough. That's that's an issue with the manager where they're not putting in the full effort. But under individual traits, that's never going to come to it. So that's just poor. That's yeah. all that is. That's just a player. Yeah, the player not quality, yeah. all like. Poor character. Yeah. yeah. I do hope everything's been uh, done to try and uh, secure um, Reese Hutchinson for the entirety of the season. Because, you know, just just go back to uh, Mulroney. Uh, like, he, he didn't give him a sniff, like, you know. Yeah. Like, he, if he, if your man, uh, if your man Mulroney was as good as we kind of expected him to be, or as good as the hype, against 10 men, like, they should have been clever enough to be able to open up space to to let him do his thing. But Hutchinson, for all his ability going forward, he didn't give him a sniff in the corner of the pitch, like, you know. I think his defensive work is very underrated. I think because he offers you so much going forward, that's what people focus on. And, you know, they get excited about that. And rightfully <laughs> so, because he's brilliant going forward. He's, he really is. He's a massive threat. But his defensive work is, so far, it's, it's going under the radar, I think, a little bit. Because he's, he's yeah. very, very solid. He, he very little gets by him. Brand had a good game as well on the other side, though, because he was absolutely shite in draw. He was a different player the last night, though. He was. But you see, Jerry, I think that's that wake-up call again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think got a wake-up call in Drada. It's You know what I mean? They got a bit of a slap in the jaws. Is, yeah. You know, time to wake up, boys. Yeah. Uh, and you could see it in the last night. Um, I gave him his brand back. Let's let's have a brand. Is it brand or brand of fuck? Fuck, brand of fuck. We're we're not pronouncing the F at all, no. Johan. Yeah, Johan. Johan. You know what I would say? Why is why is is Browning called Browning? Should you not be Lagerfeld? That's like we were talking about this, Connor. That's far cooler. I would (laughs) definitely be be Lagerfeld. Browning. How boring is that? Lagerfeld is Browning. Lagerfeld. Well, I, just, I'd be Lagerfeld in it. Lagerfeld, yeah. Very yeah, white hag, actually, isn't it? It is actually, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't see why they should, they should definitely be brewing the next. The next bit of innovation to come out of Ballymote should be a Lagerfeld, <laughs> full body Lagerfeld. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, the other thing, just to say, there's just a candy. Like bootlegger. The other thing, just that came to mind there is, um, uh. The work that the, the team have obviously done in the preseason and again we've spoken about it before but like you know what are the attributes that, need, that you need to get through 70 minutes with a man down you need to be bloody fit yeah and you know the work that Max Matter put in the work that after Alex playing Lager three days in, previously yeah, yeah. 
point. Very good point, actually. Yeah, like Radoslavovic, Sean said, a fellow who hasn't played a lot of football recently, he was relentless. He always making himself available, always chasing people down. Um, Reese up and down. Same with uh, Branofak as well. Like just the work rate was off the charts, off the charts. And like, you know, I'd say, you know, maybe that's that's something I had a conversation about when when uh, Mahmoud went off. But they just knew it that they, they were they're set up to be able to deal with that, you know, to deal with that adversary, and they proved it. Like you know, so, and that's different. That that's a different challenge than what happened on Friday night in 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 Drogheda. Yeah. And it's you know it's a testament as well to their to the mentality of the lads because I think even moving on to the second goal, Ronan, am I jumping too far ahead on you? No, I'm getting the go ahead. I'm good to go. Keep jumping. <laughs> but it's a testament to the lads, uh, the mentality, because as you're saying there, Connor, like, you know, well, we're late in the game when we get that second. And, you know, your tired bodies, tired minds, but we still had the the awareness and the quick thinking from Branafak and Hartman to see the space, see the pats are switched off and play that ball. Be brave. Be creative and find that space and go and attack them again because, you know, the easy option and the lazy option as such is to let everyone settle, catch their breath. Slow it down. Slow it completely down. Build the lungs. Yeah, and play the ball into the box and see what happens after that. But not the last. Like, Branofak has completely switched on. He sees that space and he can't, I don't think he can believe his luck because it's absolutely disgraceful from a Pat's point of view. Their backs are all turned to that ball. They haven't a notion I, the only time they come alive is when the ball hits the back of the net. They're gone. They're done. So the uh, and that's just to come in on a point there, Sean. Just about um, you know, like we actually didn't waste. We didn't look to waste time. You know, no. like in terms of slowing the game down or anything like that. And like we are, we were actually very, very honest in our approach to the game, uh, individually and collectively. And that there was no players really going down, feigning an injury or. McNicholas wasn't taking the pace with kickouts or anything like that. Like, do, do you know what I mean? There was no... Yeah, no absolutely, you're bang on the money, Jerry. Yeah, and sometimes you'd like to see a little bit of that, but what kind of annoys me about that as well is that, you know, the referee doesn't even kind of respect that in terms of, you know, in fairness, these guys are getting on with the game, the game. There's no play acting. There's no trying to fool me. There's no taking the pace or anything like that at all. But like, you know... He, it just I, I was saying to a couple of lads coming out of the ground last night that you know as good as the performance was and the the win and, and the buzz and all that we were the referee was still top of top of conversation um, yeah let's 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 start the Rob Hennessy section here let's uh... no but no but like we won the game <laughs> I'm ready and, no, I'm we ready. won the game and we're still fucking talking about the referee like, oh, they're man. absolutely obsessed about being the centre of attention and what the point I'm trying to make is that we didn't take the piss, we didn't do anything like that, but we still never got the benefit of that when it came to any decisions. Like every single 50-50 decision, even 60-40 decision in our favour went to them. Absolutely every single fucking time. And I guarantee you, right, you might say that John Mann's, uh, I know I'm backtracking out to where we were previously, but you might say, all oh, right, well, the letter of the law, the letter of law me bollocks. Like if that was a pass player, he would not get sent off. There'd be no talk about the letter of the law. Like he was, that's, I don't care, that's harsh, no matter which way you look at it. 
go back to the draw of the game. I'm not saying draw their favorite any more over than than us, but like that that whole situation was a complete fiasco as well. In that the referee gives a penalty, the linesman who can't even make up his mind whether to give a throw or not, he has to look to the referee every single time whether the referee nods left or right to give the throw right. But the same guy can actually make a decision on whether the penalty was inside or outside the box. And the fairness, they came to the correct decision. And as supporters, every single one of us have has acknowledged that. We've no gripe at all. The right decision was come to. But it, amongst the whole debacle, I think the referee and the linesman got muddled up and forgot to send the player off. Because they, they were so preoccupied whether it was a penalty or not, they forgot actually what the, what the original incident involved. And like Hartman was clean through, he was the last man. He was bearing down on goal. But then you switch to last night, John Mann, there was one or two players covering. Morhan came in and there was even a player out to the right, further out, I don't know who it was, running back towards their own goal. So it was probably, I don't know if it was left or right back. So, yeah. Like, it just, there's no, it's just really, really, if you look at both situations, it's really, really poor judgment. They just lose their shit and they forget what they're actually supposed to be doing. And well, like the, go on. On the the consistency of the refereeing, they're consistently uh, bad. Is it, was it O'Sullivan? O'Sullivan, uh, he pulled somebody back by the arm. It's a professional foul on the halfway line. Uh, Pats are breaking away. Yeah, uh, your man goes down. Yellow card. Fair enough. No problem. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was ten minutes before or after that. <clears throat> Barlow is bursting through. We're breaking away. And his legs are know, they're they're putting the pressure on us. We're breaking away. Barlow is coming out of uh, the center circle in the pat side of the pitch. And I don't know who it is, whether it's Ben McCormick or Lennon or someone, just takes him down, clips the ankles together. Professional foul, no card. Like yeah. absolutely ridiculous. And then that's not yeah. even going near the the fellow with the fucking ladder who was scaling the back of Max Mata. Joe Redmond could have been sent off twice. And he's telling, he's telling Matt to get up. Get up. Yeah, he's waiting for him to pick up off the ground. He's absolutely cleaned him out. Yeah. Joe Redmond. That's disrespectful. Matt that's, Matt in my in my opinion, that's disrespectful to the to the player. Yeah. Every time we hit the ground, he's gesturing for the player to get up. I didn't see him do that to any of the past players. And that was that was actually annoying me during the game. He consistently and constantly was telling our players to get up off the ground. And as you said there, Connor or Sean. Like Redmond's like na- nearly sitting on his shoulders. Oh, was a disgrace. Like, There's a lack of respect there too, in my even opinion. The way Redmond fell, like for him to to fall the way he did because he got that high on Max, yeah. that he, he toppled over the, over him in the end. He nearly landed on his neck, like he nearly done himself in. It's like one of those rugby things, you know what you call him? You know when the fella turns the Yeah. It's like a sending off in rugby. Like it was crazy. Like Joe Redmond got away with murder last night. Yeah. Absolute murder, but like, and he wasn't alone in that. There was one stage as well, it went out wide. Um, I don't know, it was a doiler who took it, but he took it down with his arm, it actually rolled down his arm and he played it down to his feet and he played on. And the referee was looking at him like the whole stand was up in arms, really. It was as clear as day. And I actually looked down at the bench, and John Russell and Casey were going ballistic with the fourth official. And like that again, like the fourth official is talking to them as if they're chatting pure nonsense. Like Alan Patchell was the fourth official. Which? Alan Patchell was the fourth official. And he was he was, he was bad. as well. 
Yeah, that's he was just giving it back to them the whole time as if yeah, they, were, yeah. you know, they were making all this up. Like it was clear as day. Like if you if they as professionals watch that back, like how are they not embarrassed? Because do it. I never really go in on referees because I'm bored of it at this stage. Yeah, that's it's getting ridiculous. Like it, it's been happening that, for years. That I just thought the whole Rob, the Rob Hennessy performance was. Just it was one of the worst performances I've seen in a yeah, long time. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Not that's not. Initially, yesterday I was sure that it wasn't a red card. I've come around to the conclusion now it probably was. Yeah. a red card for for man, but I don't. I just and like yeah, but the, got more touches of the ball than Owen Doyle. Yeah, but like you <laughs> seen, yeah, like but maybe it was like that's when I go back to maybe that or not it was a red card, but some clubs seem to get away with it and others don't. You know and. It's not even like, like another gripe that I have is that all these little small things, you know, through the course of the game dictates the play. You know, if you're constantly be get, getting, uh, getting pulled back because it's a niggly foul or whatever, you know, it's it's breaking up the play. It's it's destroying the game. And I, but like even, you know, the way they're flying around for both sides, and um, in in most games, is like when you go in and check the scores. At the at full time for every game, the amount of yellow cards that have been banished around is just insane. Like the suspensions that are going to be in this league is going to be unbelievable. Every game you're looking, you could be looking at five or six per team. Yeah, and you know, and uh, you look at the reports, and nine times out of ten, you'll read in the reports is that the game was played in a good manner. But if you look at the at the yellow cards situation. You think they were kicking the shite of each other on the pitch? Yeah, like the fouls in, in in the Premier League in England, um, a foul is a foul, and but every foul in the League of Ireland seems to end up in a yellow card. Yeah, and you'll even notice if there wasn't many fouls for the first eighty minutes, he'll start flashing them for the last ten minutes. It's Jamie like Lennon, a quarter to have to hit. Like I counted last night, a uh, Jamie Lennon he had three fouls before he got a yellow card, and there were three sinister fouls. You know. But whereas we had Barlow on the pitch, he was only on and he gave out about a situation and he was booked straight away. There was no yeah. even a situation. Your mouth. Yeah, just calm down, all right? Just settle yourself. There's yeah. nothing that's not bang, yellow card straight away. That's Let's a bit of common yeah. sense. You know, I was talking to Keith, I was, I was to Keith Gray there during the week, Keith, and I wouldn't be a bad man. I don't think Keith is either, but we're just talking about the amount of yellow cards that are in a game. And he was saying, you know, like about the betting odds, about two and a half cards, like in the English say a Premier League or English leagues like you wouldn't the odds would be pretty decent on two and a half cards because there wouldn't be more than two cards yeah. usually in a game but in Ireland like it's the complete opposite so why is there why is our game any more physical than this yeah but I, I look not, a lot, a lot like, of that they're actually sure. allowed to make tackles a dictatorial thing it's like they're like fucking school teachers sorry Connor. Yeah, but I'm just, you just dropped out there for a second, Jerry. I was just kind of backing you up a wee bit. Like, it's a lot of it's down to the standard of refereeing as well. Like, you know, so I'm not sure what to do here. Like, I can get to an end point handy enough by just whipping a card out. Yeah. And I'm seen to be authoritative and doing something. Yeah. Um, you know, like, just going back to, to Barlow's card, I I think Barlow got, he got a yellow card for what the law would have been for asking another player to be booked. But I think, it was a tackle that Joe Redmond uh, made. And to me, it looked like he was kind of asking, he said, is, is he not booked already? It was. The referee, yeah. The referee yeah. interpreted that as give him a card. <laughs> you know? And so then, then he booked Sparrow. 
And but Barlow was 100% right because he was on a sending off. And he, like that again, I think Redmond had committed three or four fouls since his yellow card. He should have yeah, been gone. Both, yeah, yeah. Not to let that overshadow what the night was, but like something's <laughs> got to be done. You know, like because it's not just it's not just a Sligo Rovers situation. It's a it's a league situation, mm. and you know we're screaming about getting people in the gates for for games. You know, trying to enhance this league. That that's going to dampen it honestly because people are going to come through watch games. We're like, I'm not watching that. That's yeah. that's frustrating to watch, and it is frustrating at times because it even dampens the flow of the game. Because hundred percent, you know, there's no there's no consistency even in fouls. You know, where there is certain games we have to say, right, there's going to be a bit of bite in this game. You have to let certain things go. It's it, That doesn't happen. You could have the softest foul going. It's given and it's book and it's a booking. And then two minutes later, someone getting kicked in the head and there's nothing given at all. <laughs> the game is just flowing on. It's like, where, where's the level here? Like, and you do, it's, it's at the highest level of football as well. Refereeing is just in a bad state, I think, in even in world football, to be honest. You know, and look, I don't know who wants to be a referee, really. Well, there's a certain type of person maybe that does. Yeah, but there has to be. We, everyone has to find a way of making it a better situation to be a referee. But I, I think, I think referees at local level, you know, they, they, they're trying to help out, and you know, like they're really, really important, um, and yeah. because without them, we have no game. But just the likes, like going back to what Matthews was at last night, it was just. I'm sure the local referees are sitting in the stand and thinking, the fuck is this fella doing? Honestly, and like, I'm getting paid good, decent enough money for it as well. Like. Yeah. So, but look, something does have to happen because, it, you know, that can't dampen it. It can ruin a game and, you know, you know that's the last thing you want to be seeing is referees yeah. taking the spotlight. Especially when the League of Ireland is such a good place. Like, it's booming at the moment. Like, the standard of play, you know, there's so much positivity around the league and, you know, like ourselves... You know, we've got the plan permission uh, through for the new ground. You know, uh, Tala, new stand, Bose there on their ground. Like, there's lots of positives around LOI TV. But the one thing that seems to be we come back to consistently uh, is the standard of refereeing. And it's just, it is, I, I, it's, it's worrying. I think they're actually going to hold the standard of football back and, and they're not helping anybody. They're not helping the players either because it's stop, start, stop, start. There's no, you know, they're killing the flow of the game and that's very concerning. Right, lads, we'll move on now to the women's team. They played their first game of the season last Saturday at the showgrounds. Uh, they went 1-0 down against Shams. They came back to 1-1, free kick from Emma Hansbury. But unfortunately, Shams got a last-minute winner through Anya O'Gorman, David McGee, you were at the game. It was a, it was a defeat, but it was a. There was plenty of positives to take. I suppose ahead of the, well, it's only one game into the season, but plenty of positives ahead for the game on Saturday against Wexford, but for the remainder of the season as well. Yeah, absolutely, Ronan. Um, last minute goal from from one of their marquee players, Anya O'Gorman. Um, Ball flashed across the box as she put it away in the 92nd minute. But I feel our women's team were, were really hard done by um, the work rate, the way they were set up. Um, and that's not to discredit any of the football they tried to play either. Um, there was good performances across the pitch. Alice Lilly making a, a debut right back was really, really good. Looked to, looked to 
to have everything, you know, good defensively, good going forward, good use of the ball. Um, and Stephanie Roach drifted out her side. I don't know if that was a deliberate ploy to try and target her as a, as a maybe a 16, 17-year-old. Stephanie Roach being a season pro. Um, but not a bother to her. She kept her quite quiet and had good help from Leah Kelly in right midfield, who I thought was outstanding on the day as well. Up and down the line constantly, barking orders and showing some real glimpses of quality as well. I suppose our, our marquee players being, being Casey and, and Emma Doherty didn't get too much of the ball. They were quite well marshaled, but they just ran their socks off all day. Didn't give the, the two big centre-halves for Shams a chance. And yeah, definitely positive signs going forward, Steve and, and all the girls, because they've got a really good balance to their squad now as well. The new signings, as we had said on, on the previous pod, two Lockleys came on on either side and provided direct running as well. Good energy. Casey House showed some really nice touches on the ball and you know Emma Doherty's going to get you goals. So, yeah, all in all, Shams may have slightly shaded it, but I think our own uh, our own team definitely uh, have positive signs going forward. I should look to try and nick something with Wexford on Saturday as well. A jury? Yeah, look, it was really disappointing to lose the game in, in the way, in the at the time that we did, you know, what was it, 93rd minute. In fairness, the the goal was um, the left side of midfielder. I don't know what her name is. I don't know who. She was down the far end of the pitch. But she dug out a brilliant cross for Gorman on the back stick. Uh, or Gorman on the back stick. And she scored it. Like, in the lead up to the goal, uh, in fairness, the Rovers, they were real positive. They kept pushing for the winner. Maybe it was, I don't know, it's kind of one of those games where it was one all, it was balanced. Where were we a little bit naive to try and push for the winner? Should we sat in? Uh, we were unlucky seconds before that where um, there was a cross into the box and one of the Shamrock Rovers players had her hand or arm in her natural position. Ref, or the linesman chose not to raise his flag when I think everybody around us thought, mm, you know, it did look like one. But look, you still need to keep playing. Um. Yeah, I was disappointed to lose goal, but you know, there was so many positives from the game and I know um David was saying there about, you know, one or two of the players. I just thought Emma Doherty, like the way she plays the game is like textbook for a centre forward, you know, the way she can collect the ball, take it in, lay it off, spin and go, you know, um really enjoyable to watch. Um our equaliser from Emma Hansbury, you know. I think the whole ground, ground went quiet because uh, they were expecting her nearly to put it into the top corner. But we got a little bit of uh, fortune where it came off the the wall and, and uh, flat-footed the, the Shamrock Rovers keeper was no more than what we deserved. Um, and I felt so, so bad. I was fucking raging leaving the ground. Absolutely livid that, uh, that we lost the game because definitely didn't deserve to lose it. But, but look, it just shows you. look the, When you look at the resources, what... What they have compared to what we have, you know, like Anya Gorman scoring a header in the last or in the ninety third minute, like you know, like these ones are on decent contracts and stuff like that. And for us to put up the performance that we did, and you can already see, even after one game, the the progression and the the levels that we've gone up since last year. And um, so I think I'd be very confident uh, about this. And I, you know, if if I was the girls, I wouldn't let. There's so many positives and so many proud moments to take from that game to put it up to the Shams. 
you know, it didn't go our way in the end, but look, you live and learn and put it in your in your in your pocket and, and remember that kind of hurt and try and not let it happen again. And David, I suppose you could touch on as well is that there was a good crowd in attendance at the showgrounds as well. Like it's 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 good to see the support is there and hopefully that, that continues as well for the remainder of the season as well. Yeah, there was a great crowd in to be fair. What I've read, I think the in and around the, the 750 mark. So I mean that's definitely a, a rise in, in attendance from last year. So look, it just shows you that women's game, especially in Sligo, is on the up and women's football, you know, it's not, it's not relevant, it's important. It's more, much more than just being relevant. It's important to the town, it's important to the club, and it's important to the people associated across the region as well. So, um, yeah, well done to everybody for coming in and try and get in for, for as many home games as you can because you will not leave disappointed. I can guarantee you that. I think the change kickoff times of five o'clock really helps as well because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of young people at the game that probably had their own match in the morning and... Whereas previously they mightn't have got to the two o'clock kickoff, they were able to make the five o'clock. So I think that's an important uh, move by the club. And you could, as you said, Dave, you could see in the level of, of attendance um, at the game. But I definitely would encourage anybody to go. Like it's really, really, really good open football. It's it's very entertaining. And the uh, Stigovers women's team play Wexford. They're way to Wexford on Saturday evening. At six o'clock in Ferry Car Park, and that game is live on LOI TV. Right, lads, we'll move on now to beer scorecast time. David McGee, there was beer given away, first of all, for the draw of the game. Go on, Dave. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate that supporter. Um, <laughs> yeah, so a massive response again, as expected, and there always is. So thanks again to everybody who's engaged. I am still digging through Drogheda. I'm looking through all socials and I can't see anybody yet, but that doesn't mean I won't be in touch with you later in the week. Um, but we had loads and loads of shouts in for the Pats game last night as well and loads of correct winners. I found a random app which has produced two names. So we have got Gavin Maguire and we've also got John Johnston. So fair play to the two lads. There's a case of White Hag coming to the boat to you. And it'll be... Just to, uh, just to give the number out there for... Uh... For next week's game against, or this week's game, I should say, against Cork City. Um, what am I on about? I'm giving out the shout for the shed-in number. Sorry, carry right. on as you were. <laughs> Don't cut that out. And there'll be two cases as well to give away for the for the Cork, Cork game coming up as well, David. Yeah, absolutely. Two more. We have um, the beer score cast out on Saturday afternoon at some point. So get on all our socials. Get your scorecast predictions in. And you might get an old case of beer. Now, after the draw of the game and after the Pats game, we requested your shouts from the shed end. Don't forget, it's via a WhatsApp voice note on 085-815-9767 or by email to podcast at brst.ie and we can hear those now. Alan Kieran's here with his shout from the shed. Disappointing night Friday night, suffering our first defeat up at United Hunky Dory Weaver Park. Um, I opener for some of the new lads. This league is going to be very tough. Ten teams, you know, it's going to be no pushovers, and we might be able to play the free flowing football in every game. And some games are just going to roll up our sleeves and dig in and slog out a result. Uh, on the plus side, 
Luke McNichols had a very good game and John Mahansey in game time. Look, we got the luck last week against UCD in that penalty. We didn't get it this week. 99 times out of 100, Caelan Barrow's shot goes in. And that's where it goes, the swings and roundabouts. Uh, referee's performance, very disappointing for him to give a penalty and five yards outside the box that he couldn't even come up with play. But worst of all was the line was five yards away looking at it and he didn't even ward a free kick. So we roll on now to the next two home games, Pats and Cork. Let's hope we get six points in them and a lot of disappointment in the game and negative comments online. But look, lads, the sun doesn't shine every day. That's Sligo Rovers for you. Up the bitter red. Hi, lads. Sam White here reporting to you from Leeds, but uh, from uh, Grange and Sligo. Um, this is my shout from the shed end after a fantastic result for Sligo Rovers this evening. Just to a man, what an effort from all the boys after playing most of the game with 10 men to, to come out with all three points and well-deserved. It's not often you see a team go down to 10 men and play like that. Um, I could, could list the whole team for their performances, but I'd pick out uh, Niall Morhan for the way he slotted in at centre-back after Matten got sent off. I thought the red card was harsh. Um, he did drag him down, but I don't think he was the last man. But, but yeah, they didn't. They kept the heads up and kept ploughing on. And, yeah, I thought McNicholas made some excellent saves. Um, really impressed of Max Mata. He's had a great start to the season and he didn't score tonight, but he was everywhere. And, and uh, Hutchinson looks like a great signing. Um, took his goal really well. Linked up really well with Will Fitzgerald, who was... He's very consistent, isn't he? Um, and then Hartman, we've been waiting a long time to see him. And boy, what a finish. Um, great, great quick free kick. Just completely caught some Pat sleeping. And and uh, Hartman, yeah, that's top quality. I think we have a real player there. And excited to see what, what he can do for the season. So, yeah. Not a bad start. Obviously, Drogheda was disappointing, but um, that was a huge, huge result tonight. Up the Rovers. What's the story, lads? James here from Gertrin. Um What a performance that is in the showgrounds tonight. We absolutely needed that after a poor, poor showing now in Drogheda on Friday night. We needed it to bounce back, and what a way to bounce back. A full hour, pretty much, um, down to 10 men without John Mahon. And we showed fantastic character, I thought. I thought everyone played for each other. Something we didn't really see that much of um, in Drogheda. I think team selection was very good. Um, I think Hartman had a fantastic game. Um, he was very, very good. I think we were good all over the park, though. I think we um, we dug in very well. We played the Matron game. You know, We were pegged back for a while. We were kind of sitting deep and we just soaked up all the pressure. And we were hitting them on the counter um, a few times. I thought we were very, very impressive. Um, and yeah, just a fantastic result. Um, I think, as has been said, with the, the last four round of games, the um, the refereeing has been poor. Um, I think there there was one, I don't know who it was, to be honest, I, I can't remember, one of the past lads, and he could have got four yellow cards. Um, but as we've been saying, um, all across Twitter and everywhere for the last couple of weeks, the standard refereeing is shocking and we have seen no changes. But anyways, 
great three points um, after a tough, tough evening last Friday night. And we roll on now to Cork on Saturday. So hopefully we pick up a few points there as well. Cheers, lads. And so it was, boys. A very happy Monday. Alan Cairns here with a shout from the shed. We were three points against Pats last night. We really went to the trenches on this one with 10 men, with 10 men and came away with the three points. Um, would a draw been fair on Pats? Maybe, but look at You get some of these days where you just take what comes. On the game itself, I have to say, Luke McNichols has really stepped up to the plate this year. He took a lot of slack last year. Great character from him to come back this year. And now we're seeing the keeper he always thought he was. Caelan Barlow, way beyond his years, we know in talent. But his game management last night was fantastic. He came on, I think, the best he's played for so far this year. Four or five free kicks to really kill the game and frustrate Pats. Um, individually, the players we signed proved out last night that it's going to be tiny margins that's going to win some of these games. And that free kick from Bannerflack and Hartman just shows the individual quality that these fellas just can think for themselves and see an opening in the game. And they went for it. It was a great finish and delighted for Hartman. Um, Pats, Pats were OK at times, but they huffed and puffed a lot. But still take nothing for it. Again, I said this is going to be a tough league and we're going to have to dig in. And we dug in last night. Cork now, Saturday night. Another tough game, lads. These boys are finding their feet in the Premier League. Eight goals in two games. Went up to Talon, scored four goals. Nobody does that. So we need to be ready for them again. So look, lads. One thing is I'd say too is all the doubters out there. John Russell, hit the reset button. Give him a chance. This is his squad. A lot of people knocking him after one defeat. But we see what we can uh, achieve if we, just, if we just back him. So, roll on Saturday night. And boys, the sun is shining today. Up the bitter red. This is Sean from America. Let's get the bad out of the way first. The ref was completely atrocious. Awful, awful refing. Uh, worst refing job I've ever seen in my life. Uh, never a red card, not even close. Yellow card all day long, sure. But how can you give somebody a red card when there's somebody covering right next to him and he was even inching ahead of uh, John but uh, awful awful display by the ref if I'm not mistaken that's the same guy that did the the Shams game so what do you expect now moving on to the the good stuff the boys were tremendous I mean a after uh, Drada you know and be down to 10 men and you know, playing against the 12 men of Pats, I mean, it was incredible. Best display I think we've seen in a long, long time from everyone, including the manager. And uh, some big, big performances. Uh, both goals were incredible, um, especially that second one, the Hartman goal. Just the awareness from both players to take it fast and to slot it home was incredible. It, sound, it looked like the uh, the stadium was rocking, so the crowd was up for it. Boys were up for it. I thought everybody was exceptional. Uh, Max Matter, what can you say? Great game. Um, and he was having to carry you know two center backs on his back like backpacks all game long. So. You know, what can you say? He was he was exceptional. Uh, Barlow, when he came on, I thought he was great. Him and Hartman on the ball, dribbling through. Um, incredible. Uh, Nando in the back. And even Niall, when he moved, when he had to slot home in uh, 
back in the center back there to cover. Uh, I thought he was he did pretty well, and uh, I mean, when you say it was it was great, awesome, big win. Um, John Russell, the substitutions he made, I thought were you know a bit confusing at first, but we just played our game. We you know we went down to ten men, and we never sat back. We kept playing our game, kept playing our game. And it worked out, and the substitutions, even though uh, you know, we were winning at the time, he pulled off Nile and uh, you know brought in an attacking midfielder, and uh, it worked out. I mean, it was a brave move. You know, big credit to the manager and uh, all the boys. Hopefully, we can do it again uh, against Cork up the Rovers. That's your shout from Shed End. Don't forget, once again, after the game against Cork on Saturday, you can get them in on a WhatsApp voice note, 085 9767 or by email to podcast at brst.ie. Moving on to the latest news, lads. Jerry, uh, I suppose, first of all, you were over in Knock Airport last Friday and uh, a presentation was made. Yeah, myself, Magoo, and uh, Sue. Myself, Magoo, and Sue <laughs> went, over to, <laughs> went over to the Knock Airport. So we just made a, a presentation to, to the airports. Um, you know, one thing that uh, kind of struck me uh, when we were on our European travels through Knock Airport was that there was an Everton jersey, a Celtic jersey, a Man United jersey. I was thinking, why isn't there a Sligo Rovers jersey? You know, we're the they're the local airport and we're the local club. So uh, I got on to Theo, uh, he gave me a shirt, got it framed, uh, signed by the players. So we went over there and presented it as a thank you to to the guys at Knock Airport because they really looked after ourselves, the fans and the team throughout the summer. And um yeah, look, they couldn't do any more for us, so it was great. Um yeah, and they were they were delighted to get it. So next time you're flying out from Knock Airport. You can, uh, in the bar, raise a glass to the Rovers and enjoy your, your holiday. The holiday starts with Rovers. <laughs> and there's pin badges that are available for sale at the court game coming up on Saturday night as well. Yeah, so there's a set of four badges. So it's for the set, it's €15. Euro, and then for the individual badges, it's five. Um, there's been loads and loads and loads of people uh, on to me about them already. So it's would say the could sell out pretty quick um but yeah they're they're really nice um and thanks to kevin noon as well who helped to design a couple of them so yeah something different right we are delighted now to be joined by damien Shrinan, who is host of the other three amigos podcast a podcast about all things cork city first of all damien you're welcome along to the podcast thank you for having me lads thank you yeah it's 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 amazing because last year, obviously, when we were stuck in the doldrums of the first division, you know, the only I think the only club that had a, um, a podcast was the Talkers Treaty. They never invited us on, so it's great to be up with the Premier Division podcast. <laughs> You're with the elite now, Damien. What's that? You're with the elite now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're back, baby. We're back. <laughs> so, Damien, Cork City have played four games so far this season as as a other club in the Premier Division, I suppose. Could you give us a kind of a quick rundown of how Cork City have gone on and 
you know, how they're faring ahead of their trip to the showgrounds on Saturday night? Uh, yeah, I suppose, look, they brought in a couple of new signings. We had three Swedish lads join the team. Um, Ethan Varian came on loan from Bose uh, and we bought Tunde. Um, Tunde, we just call him Tunde. Um, he came in from, from Bose as well. Uh, and a goalkeeper from Celtics, Toby, uh, again, I've, I've made an absolute disgrace trying to pronounce their names before, so I'll just leave them called. We call them their first names. So. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. I was trying to pronounce a few of them on our podcast last night going, oh, sweet God. Um, so, yeah, the Bulls match, uh, it was in turn across, massive crowd, set out. Uh, we didn't perform, you know, and I think, you know, even the players kind of knew it was, it was a poor performance. Uh, we played off the pitch kind of thing, really. We went to Derry, um, and do you know we lost two little, but we had chances ourselves, and it was just, like they couldn't, just that they couldn't take the chances. Um, they, it was a bit of an improved um, game. We all then started getting worried because at the start of the season we were kind of saying, look, you know, if we can finish, we're we're okay to finish eighth once we finish above Drogs and UCD. We started getting worried then, going, oh no, you know, UCD is actually, I know it was like a for you know third game of the season, a must win because if we lose against UCD, it'll show the level we're at. And like that was last Friday in the cross. It was 5,000 people. It was just a great performance. You know, Mahili got a goal from 30 odd yards. Um, Rory Keating, he, you know, he's got, he's got his second of the, of the season. Great performance. And then we went to the Shams um, on Monday night, expecting, you know, we, I think as a, as a, as a club, as a supporters, we kind of said, you know, oh, this is, this will be a test. Now we realized that they were on the back of, you know, not doing too well either. And uh, so we were like, if we could nick it, oh, if we could, maybe a draw would be great. Uh, and then they went one up after 13 minutes. And then they just capitulated. It was brilliant. Uh, so we went two one up. Uh, Darryl Crowley scored a goal from there the halfway line. It was great to see McManus, you know, on his arse. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> then we went, it was two all, three, two, four, two. Uh, and then look, you know, I think legs got tired. Um, and, and it was just, it was just, Shams popping balls into the boxes, high ball in every time. I mean, an injury tower on Bodger in the 98th minute, and then there was 15 minutes or 14 minutes added on. I think the players' heads had gone as well because the injury was nasty. So, uh, for all in Tala, as a, a, a team that just came up from the first division, we are buzzing ahead of Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> but, Damien, in fairness, there's not many things going to go to Tala and score four. Absolutely like, not. You know, like it's it's a serious achievement in itself doing that. Like, and I think you know, even just just my own opinion so far on you this season. I watched you against Bowes, and as you've already said, it was a poor performance. So that's the only one I can go off myself. And I thought you were terrible as well. But um, I've seen you bounce back since that now, and I think it is it's flying under the radar just how good of a coach Colin Healy actually is. Yeah, look, he, it's he's kind of stuck. And the, the big thing is that we've got. The core of our players are actually the players that played in the first division. They've just stepped up. I mean, Rory Keating now has three goals this season. Darryl Crowley has three goals this season. Uh, Darryl Crowley is a very unsung hero of the team. People you might even know, who's Darryl Crowley? Yeah. But he can play, he literally play in any position. Last night he played in the 10. Um, but he can play right back. He can play left back. He can, you know, well, right wing back. He can play anywhere. Uh, very unsung hero. And I mean, he got that goal from nearly the halfway line. So we had Mahili score last week against UCD. What we were saying, like cancel goal of the month, March goal of the month is done, and Darrell Crowley goes away and scores from the halfway line last night. Like the 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 feeling is good at the moment. We've scored four against UCD, four against the Shams. 
What are we going to do tonight? It's Saturday. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it, that's the end of the line. That's what we call the line. This, this, this is what happens to us. We're like, ah, we're going to win the league. You know, we're on. <laughs> no, but look, um, our target, you know, we kind of said, even our own podcast and fans, we kind of said, look, if we can finish eighth, maybe seventh, um, and, you know, we'd, we, if we can stay up, build on that. But Colin has, Colin Healy has put, it, he's put together a decent team and there just seems to be, a, after the first game against Bowes, it's just going to be a different bunch at the moment. It's great. And how's the feeling coming into playing us on Saturday night? And obviously you're on a high, but what would be your your ideal result? What are you looking to get out of the game? Um, I have to say, like we're watching Eve, two wins, one loss, one draw. You know, very lucky against UCD. Could say it was outside the shagging box. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> and, um, you know, I I. I think we're ready to, yeah, we're, you know, I think we're, 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 well, I'll tell you, we have our own predictions on our podcast. We've all predicted that we'll win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but look, th- there might be slight bias in that, obviously, you know, but uh, no, I think, I think, you know, I think you've conceded a few goals. I mean, you know, Sh- to be fair, Shamrock Rovers, I mean, you know, and they're defensively, they're not going to win the league with, with conceding goals like they are at the moment. Uh, no, we're conceding goals, obviously, as well. Um, but uh, it could be a six-all thriller, the way things are looking at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Damien, just in terms then, obviously you were saying, you know, overall you're looking just at basically it's staying up this season. But, um, you know, with your new owner and everything else, you know, the buzz around Cork, again, seems to be a bit of a high at the moment. Do you, do you actually with this owner in, in, in charge now, do you foresee long-term success with the club, a bit of stability and finally going forward to actually lay some proper foundations and let Cork City be Cork City again? Yeah, look, I mean, look, we came under a bit of fire because obviously we were fan-owned um, and look, you know, yourselves and stuff and great model. Um, you know, unfortunately, I suppose we wouldn't have had the budget to compete. I know your fundraising is, you know, is amazing and stuff. And we've, you know, even our fundraising, it's always been done. So like the way Forrest looked at it was we can live off a of Forrest budget and try to survive in, in the premier division with the budget. I think that was laid out. We probably wouldn't have, you know, um, and then Dermot Usher came in, you know, he, he made an offer to buy the club. It was accepted. He has given Colin, uh, you know, a much bigger budget than we would have been able to give, uh, give him. He's brought in, you know, a scoreboard, which is amazing. Uh, we love it. Ooh, look, it's the time. Um, you know, and he's made he's made some decent promises and changes already. Um, you know, we're kind of we are. There's a real buzz around the place again at the moment. Um, the fact that we, I, I think, you know, I think our, Dermot has been out in a few places saying, you know, Jesus, European qualification might be fair off, but I think that was a bit kind of premature. I think we, 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 yeah. We kind of see ourselves in with yourselves by the end of the season. Well, we 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 didn't after the Bowes match. We thought we were going to be relegated again, uh, but now obviously the last three matches were like, hey. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I, I don't think sixth or seventh is 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 um is something like where we there is a massive buzz around. And I mean, we had six thousand three hundred at the Bowes match first game of the season, and then we played UCD, and we expected three thousand people, you know. It was 4,900 people at the game against UCD. And UCD obviously brought two people. So, you know, um, that was... Uh, that was the manager and the assistant. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, like, I mean, there is a big crowd heading to Sligo on Saturday. 
Uh, I, I was actually just about to ask you now, what's kind of going to be the travel and support on Saturday? I would, I mean, it was, it was 350, 400 travel last night up to, up to Tala. Uh, I would say, I would say probably the same, 400, 500 possibly. Uh, I know there's a few buses heading up. Uh, you'll obviously have the exiles coming across from Dublin. There will be a good crowd. Um, the fact that it's a Saturday as well, is we can all go partying and Sligo afterwards. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. It's all, except the hotels are like 400 euros a night. It's like as if Ed Sheeran was playing there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> West, West, like doing West Lake, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But look, it's been a few years. I think 2019 was the last time we were up there. I think it was one all. Graham Cummins and Ronald Collins scored and uh, that one. Um, so yeah, we we are buzzing. There's a, there is a good crowd coming up. Look, it's like one Cork City fans have always got on well, you know. So, oh, sorry, Rovers and City fans. Um, no, so that's, uh, Damien, you're an honorary uh, member of this podcast from now on with your, <laughs> with your referral to the Shams and now with us Rovers. I have been, well, I, uh, I think with, with Jessica Farry, we had we had her before say, make sure you call us City uh, in the commentary. She did, and we kind of said, look, that's it. Uh, but we, we love to do that to annoy the dubs anyway as well, as you do. You know, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have to be done. Sensitive souls. Absolutely. Um, so I reckon we win. I think it could be a six-odd thriller the way everyone we're leaking goals at the moment. Um, you know, uh, Jimmy Corcoran is our keeper. We our keeper is out injured, Toby, at the moment. So Jimmy played kind of deeply last night. It looks like Aaron Bolger will, will possibly be missing as well, um, which he will be a big loss because he's he's a fantastic defensive midfielder, you know. Uh, but we've got some great players. Matt Healy, Rory Keating is on fire at the moment. As I said, Derek Crowley. Uh, we've got some decent stuff. You know, it's, we're, oh, that's, I just want to play tonight. I, mean, <laughs> well, you're I can all, almost guarantee a goal anyway with Keating because there's nothing shorter than one of our ex-academy products. Yeah, so, yeah. And so. we were looking, and we, it was brought up in our own podcast, you know, where he went from yourselves, he was Galway, and he, he, he just didn't make it at Galway, and he came down to us because John Caulfield didn't, didn't rate him. Uh, and, and, you know, last year, he got, did he get 10, 11 goals in the league? But this year, he's just a menace. He is an absolute menace. He's powerful, big, you know, he tends to win the first balls, and if you got someone there for the second ball, it's great. I shouldn't be telling you too much because uh, it is. <laughs> we but, yeah. know all about him. In fairness, <laughs> Rory, Rory was a good, honest lad when he was yeah. here as well. Um, he kind of, he was just here though. At the kind of end of a few really good players were here. He didn't get his chance, and then he just kind of moved on again. But he yeah. was he was a good player when he was here. In fairness to him, like there was high hopes for him when he and he got his move across to England as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we're delighted with him. Um, yeah. you know, three goals already. Ready for us? Well, what's um, your actual prediction for Saturday night? Genuinely, I look, I look at. It. No, not not. I know you think you're going to win. But what would you say a scoreline properly? I would say two one, two one. We will concede. I, I, I have no doubt that we will concede a goal. Um, you know, this the fact that the Shams got four against us. Uh, Derry scored two. Bowes got two. I know UCD didn't have a chance, uh, not one. Um, but I think we that was we we just call that a perfect game for us. I know we're playing UCD, but you know, uh, but I, I think we'll win two one. Okay, that's a I hate to hate to say it, but I, you know, oh, I think, no, good to have someone being honest. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we will. And John Mahan got sent off last night. I'm not too sure will he miss Friday's game. I don't think he or Saturday's game. I don't think he will. Um, I was because it was going to be an automatic one. But... No, because we 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 worked this out two years ago. So I think if they get sent off on a Monday night. The FBI, they hold the spinnery thing, doesn't meet until oh, yeah. the, the Thursday or the Friday. I know one of our lads has said he's not too sure. So I don't know whether you're going to be missing him. Right, lads, final part of this week's show. Cork City come to the showgrounds on Saturday night. David, it's a second home game in a row. Another chance to get a good crowd into the showgrounds, but it's 
it's not going to be a, I suppose, a straightforward game. Cork have done well in their last few games. Yeah, Cork have done well in the last few games. Absolutely, Ronan. Um, you look at the, the result last night, I don't think anybody expected to, to get anything up in uh, up in Tala, but they got four goals and a 97-minute equaliser, um, and they got out of there with a point. You ask most of their fans, I'm sure they would have bit your hand off to take a point out of that, especially having an eight-goal thriller. But no, Cork are no mugs. They've adapted quite well to, to life back in the Premier League after um, after an opening day defeat against Bowles. You know, they've they've put together a nice little squad. Colin Healy's done quite well. The increase in the budget with the new owner has helped them definitely. But um, they're getting goals across the team as well. Rory Keaton, one of our, our former players coming through the academy, has, has hit the ground running with three goals. They've three goals from Crowley, who scored a worldly last night from the halfway line. Now, they are conceding goals as well. So I do, I do, um, I do see some hope for us there. You know, we keep coming back to, to the mentality and the mental test of of last night for ourselves against Pats. So I'm expecting us to kick on, and hopefully we'll be able to get all three points. Um, we'll need to be at it. There's no easy games in this league, and as Cork Corker are scoring goals, you know we'll, we'll need to be switched on again defensively. But it's not going to be an easy game. But I I do think we'll come away with a win. And Sean, Damien touched on there uh, about, you know, David also mentioned about Cork are well able to score goals, but I suppose kind of be hoping that the same attack and threat from from our own side come Saturday evening as well, as we had on Monday evening against Pats. Yeah, definitely, Ronan. Um, I've seen a more complete, uh, how would you say, performance attack-wise from us the other night. So I'd like to see that progress as well. Um on Saturday night and, you know, see you come into motion a bit more uh, as things obviously progress and players are getting used to playing with each other as we go on. Like, you know, we still have to remember this is a, f- a freshly built team, really and truly, you know, especially from an attacking point of view. You know, you have Hartman, Radoslavich, Amada, like they're not, I know, Fitzgerald, they're not used to playing with each other. It's just only two of them there that have played with each other before. So, you know, I, I'd assume it's going to be the same side to play the other night that starts against Cork. Um, but like, there's, there's options. Barlow could easily step into that side as well. And I don't think anyone would bat an eyelid at it, you know, no one would, no one would question that. But um, I think there's opportunities there for us. I think, you know, we are good going forward. Um, Max's play is outstanding. So I think he's going to be a nightmare for their centre-halves again. So... Once we can play off him again, I think I think we'll be all right because they do cough up chances, you know they do. So it's up to us to to counteract that. And look, once we count, once we stop making mistakes at the back, and that we won't really concede many goals. We're good back there. Nando Pinacker was absolutely outstanding the other night against Patrick. Didn't touch on him enough, I don't think, in my opinion. And he's only building in confidence. So it's whoever's in beside him, whether it be Clancy or if Mahan's suspension has gone through or not. As Damien was uh, touching on, we'll see. But uh, no, I think I look. I don't want to go in too confident and say you know we're going to hammer them or anything silly like that. But I, I think we should come away from it with a win. I think the showgrounds will be hopping as well. I, I expect a really big crowd in the game on Saturday night. And presumably, I suppose Connor, if John Mahan is suspended, in a classy to come straight back into the certain eleven. Um. Yeah, I yeah. Well, I mean, who else have we got there? Who Finnerty's the fullback, right? Finnerty, no, centre back. Centre back, right? Okay, centre half. 
you know, there's there's a man who hasn't seen any game time yet, you know. Um what are we would be five games into the season yet. Um I don't know though, but like the Cork City have I think they've scored ten goals uh since the start of the season. Um so like I don't think this is I think this is gonna be another really, really challenging game. Obviously they're 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 gonna be missing Budger, I suppose, because he'll be out with concussion. Um which um which um, will be benefit to us. Um, but I'd, I'd be very, very worried. Like Keating, I, I watched them against Bowles at the start of uh, the first game of the season and they didn't, they didn't play a huge amount of football, but I tell you what, they didn't stop working for the entirety of the game. And like that, like, you know, Keating kind of played a similar role to that of Max Maddow the other night. He just didn't stop. Uh, he ran every channel. He ball stuck to him, and he got his just reward in that game. At the end, he scored against UCD. He scored against Shams. So their tails are up big time. And you know, I heard Colin Healy on the radio this morning saying that they went to Shamrock Rovers looking to win that game. You know, and that they see themselves as a big team. Cork City's a big club. So like, there'd be no, there'd be absolutely no pushover. And I think it might be another challenge that we haven't yet, or another type of challenge that we haven't yet faced. So it'll be another problem for John Russell to solve I think I would like to see Caelan Barlow um, in the middle of the park although he it is great, he, he does offer something completely different when he comes off the bench he's an absolute like if you're if you're tired in any way he's the last person you want to see but I, I love his his positive attitude to the game it's, it's go forward no matter what he might lose the ball uh, he might play passes that are non- but it's go forward ball all the time, and he's relentless. And I, I love that about him. And I don't. I think there's. I don't. There's many. There's many players like him in the league. I think he's a massive asset. Um, I, I thought. I think when Bulger came off against. Um, uh, when Bulger came off on on Monday night, uh, it looked like he was holding his hamstring. Uh, that was might have been an issue for him. So I would be surprised if he starts. If he does start, so I think we need. We need that physical presence. I hope Browning's back. Um, but in Radoslavovic, did I say his name right? Um, we have, we do have another, he just looks so good. I mean, he, I think he's going to have a cracking season. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be another, it's going to be a challenge that we haven't yet faced. Um, obviously, because we haven't played them, but I think they're going to be, they're going to be something different. So, I, I mean, again, I'm not sure how it's going to go, but I would like to see, I'd like to see I'd like to see Barlow I think starting the game. And Jerry. Um yeah, just to come in on Connor's point about uh Barlow. I he's just, you know, don't wanna give him a bigger head than he already has, like, you know. <laughs> but anyway, and we never do you know what we never mentioned his turn actually um on Monday night. See the attorney did in, in the centre yeah. circle. Two players yeah. in little roll backwards. He yeah, yeah. sent him to the shops. Like yeah. But, uh, guys were in centre for about twenty minutes. <laughs> but uh, I know. I think at the, at the towards the end of last season, I compared him, and I know kind of sounded ridiculous. And maybe it still does. But I kind of he, he reminds me of Paul Gascoigne. He just plays with that kind of carefree spirit. Loves the ball at his feet. You never know what he's going to do next. Flicks and tricks, and 99% of the time it comes off. So that's who he reminds me. And he's got that kind of, as I say, 
carefree spirit on and off the pitch. He's just he's a fucking gas man, like absolute character. And the nice he's, he's young for the mate, you know what I mean? Huh? I, I love I love when he goes down as well. I love the it's like WWF. He's rolling around the place. He's yeah. smack in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like James Brown on the pitch. <laughs> Stop me. Stop me. <laughs> but yeah, for me, like I pay I pay an entry fee just to, to watch him play football, to be honest. And, and I agree. Ninety percent and like him in in the league, um, the I suppose the 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 person I could compare him to in terms of say raw talent, but a different type of player would be Forrester. Yeah. You know, he I think he's got that potential. I don't think uh, Forrester ever reached his due to one one thing or another, but I think Kalen definitely can. I think he's got a probably a better mentality. Uh, than than Forrester. I know that sounds might sound strange, but Forrester should be playing at a higher level. And I I mean this in the biggest compliment possible. Uh, Kalen's a street footballer. Yeah, old school. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that real quality that can pull skill out anywhere and just yeah. that swagger, that swagger and confidence. It, that's as I'd always refer to them as street footballers. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. Gaza. Yeah, you can't teach what he has. Yeah. No amount of coaching will be able to get you to the level that he just at natural that just comes natural to him. Now he'll work on everything else and he he'll perfect certain areas of his game. But his just natural raw ability is just something you can't coach. And he's completely fearless as well. Just there's like he doesn't give a monkey's who he's playing. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter who like, the bigger the better, like you know. But even at that opposition the you know, there's an advantage to that as well, Connor. In other ways, like, and it goes back to the Shams game. You know, where he's up against Pico Lopez, where he gets sent off. That's because Barrow's giving him the lift back. He's he's not showing him any respect. Like, who who are you? Who cares? Yeah, you know what I mean, I'll just get in yeah. your face just as much as you'll get in mine. And Lopez just proves they can't take that. Like he's obviously thinking, who's this young fella? Think he is, and he gives him a wee slap in the head. Like, but you know, yeah. Barrow's all about that, and I love seeing that. Yeah. But I also love seeing that he's not one of these young fellas coming into the team and thinking he's a because he is so talented that he's above Sligo Rovers. You can see that he's a genuine Sligo Rovers fan. Like when he's out there, he's he'll die on the pitch for Sligo Rovers. Like you yeah. see, you see him when that full time whistle goes last night. He is punching the air. He's going ballistic. He's going over to the fours. He's giving it loads to them. He loves it. He they're all his mates too. It. You see, absolutely. But like, he's all hard too. Yeah. You know, you, you do, you see young fellas come in, and, uh, in from the youth systems and teams and they nearly just see it as it's just a stepping stone. I, I, I won't be here too long. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't really care too much about you. You're just, you're just a make way for me to get somewhere else. But not with Barlow. He's a genuine Sligo Rovers fan. And, he, and he'll get places too, you know. And he will. Like, best of luck to him as well. And we'll enjoy him while he's do, here. Yeah, enjoy do. him while he's here, exactly. Yeah, he's yeah. not going to be here long. Yeah, um, but I suppose back to back to the court game. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't mean that in a smart arts way. But um, what do I think? Fullbacks. Do you know? Yeah, <laughs> well, I watched. Uh, I watched um, the the first game of the season for for Cork against Bowes, and I thought Cork were the worst team I'd seen seen playing in the Premier Division in a long, long time. They were absolutely atrocious. They were embarrassing. They were that bad, but then, like they've completely turned around. So fair juice to them. And for any team to go and score four goals 
uh, in Tala, you have to be disappointed without coming out with three points. Do you know, it's... Um, I wa- Actually, I watched the last... I watched the injury time, which was about nearly 15 or 20 minutes. I went into Mooney's uh, for a couple of pints. Um, myself and Connor went in and Clive went in. And um, so we got to see about 15 minutes of the game. And like they were a completely different side. You know, it was like real, real it was like it, it was a four all draw. It was pure end to end. They were giving it loads of scored quality goals. They looked like a really, they were a completely different team. And just on that point as well, it was funny when I went in. Uh, Brentford and Fulham were on the telly in one corner and on the main TV Rovers and St. Pat's were on and every single person oh, sorry Shams Cork and Cork were on yeah. Cork, yeah. Um, and every single po- person in the pub was watching Cork and uh, Shams they're, they're back to the Premier League and I know it's only a small thing but it was a lovely thing to go into a pub and see that everybody in the pub was watching League of Ireland and they were ignoring the Premier League and I think that's where we need to get to, uh, uh, you know, for the football in this country to to really, really regress. And well, it's a small little victory, but it just shows you maybe the tide is turning. And if we were to give score predictions, David Sarwich, oh, know? oh, I never give my score prediction. Who won to the Rovers? David, three-one Rovers. Sean, I'm going to say we got our first clean sheet and. Connor, uh, I'm going to say we won't get our first clean sheet, um, but we'll nick a 92nd minute winner uh, in a 3 2 result. Jesus Christ, you <laughs> love these mad games. I don't know how you're able to. I think I'd have to agree with David 3 1. Well, happy days. Yeah, like you have to hand it to to Conal Healy. Like Jerry, you're right. I mean, the whole everybody got to see that game as an RT at the start of the season. They were absolutely atrocious. The quality of football, like, was just. But in you know over the space of the four games, he's. I don't know. I didn't watch much of the. Did you, what were they like at the last fifteen minutes of the, the game in Tala where they were they playing football? Yeah, they were. They were like they were still going for it. Um, look, in fairness. Shams were throwing the kitchen sink at them at that point and they were kind of defending. But any chance they got to to hit them on the break, they were they were going for it. They weren't running into corners or anything like that. They were trying to win the game. So it was like for the 15, 20 minutes I seen, it was like really entertaining. It's great, but I mean it's great as well. It's great for the league that that um that they become that there'll be a real competitive team coming up. I I love the tweet by one of the Cork City fans the other night as they were heading into Tala, they said um the yeah. sign of the league, uh, the progress the <laughs> league is making. You know, there's just a photograph of the new stand in Tallaght, and you can see the other stands in the background. It's a real sign of progress in the league when um, a team second from bottom has a stadium this good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Ronan. Thank you, Connor. Thanks, Ronan. Thank you, Sean. Your Ronan. And thank you, David. Cheers, Ronan. And I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud of winning that one. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! Oh!